Yeah, so my work has been done, I guess, a lot with end users being um, Indigenous mob. Um, but as anyone knows who works with um, TAFE staff or other organisations in the community, you're often working with actually people, staff, who aren't Indigenous, who are non-Indigenous, but who are working with Indigenous people. So, um, you know, it's... You need to know all those issues, I think, anyway. Um, so, but certainly, I've, my experience is a lot with Aboriginal people and in professional development. So, um, hopefully, we'll be able to touch base on a range of those things. I worked for quite a while in Alice Springs, and then I, in a computer suite, a little internet uh, cafe called uh, Deadly Mob. And um, we got some fantastic content and stuff from people in about 30 communities in the NT up and running. And then I moved um, down to Adelaide and continued working online. And I've done a lot of projects with the APY lands, which is we'll have a look at in a minute. But um, so I guess this focus of this is um, participation, but it could easily be innovations and tools because all those things really go together and I was pleased to hear um, the, the previous speaker talking about those, you know, motivation access and, uh, what was the third one? Anyway, yeah, John Buchanan, yeah, those, those three things kind of, the capacity building all, all really um, going together. Exper experience, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is just a little, um, Intro. I, it's kind of a big, a big topic, transforming training for outbush mob. But actually, if you speak to some of the staff that have been involved, especially in the lands, the lands consists of about seven communities, small communities, um, but also there's other communities within South Australia, like Yalata, Coobapedi, Port Augusta, which are more regional uh, centres rather than remote, um, who are all being affected by what I talk a lot about as being online learning. And they say, yeah, it's completely changed what training looks like. Um, so I've, I've gone a little bit around. There's someone from health. There's a couple of people from regional and some people working with Aboriginal people and some people not. Um, what, what we might do is... Um, so the, the focus of this is really I'm going to tell the story about what we've done, but really rather always looking at the lessons learned so that that can be helpful for you know, you mob that are, uh, that are working. So this is, where, this is where the communities are across there. Communities are pretty small, anywhere from 100 to probably 800 or less people. And um, this is the highway that goes up from Adelaide up to Alice Springs, and it just goes off there at Marla. Anyone been on that through the centre trip? Yeah? So, you know, it's just off Marla and you just head west and uh, Pip is right over in the corner of, this is Western Australia, Northern Territory, South Australia. So it, it's pretty remote, um, very remote. And so, uh, and predominantly Aboriginal people living in communities uh, with, all, with a lot of the workers and the support staff being there. So what I wanted to do um, was really, I guess, look at, um, can I have someone who can do markup? Who, you don't have to do it. Does anyone else want to do it? Or, or Catherine, you can do it. I guess it is your job, for goodness sakes, yeah. So when we talk about remote, um, I've just chatted to a couple of people, but that idea of what are some other words that we can use when we talk about remote? 
Like it, it, it's obviously geographically remote. Isolated. Okay, so immediately isolated, you, you're not just talking geographically. Okay, what are some other words that you might use? Cultural. Culturally isolated or, or different, professionally isolated, that's a good one, yeah. Okay, remote differences in practices. Okay, so and that's uh, that links in with the professionally as well because it's not only the participants in the training but it's actually the people who are doing the training and that that's actually can be a really big factor when you're geographically isolated but you also even if you're in town and isolated you know uh, Uh, it, it really varies. When you're talking Australia, it really varies, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, we're fortunate because, in fact, there are some key backbones um, that we've got in the lands which actually has made that possible, but then there's other things in other places that you can tap into. So it's a bit like working where there's possibility, where there's opportunities, I think. Yes, reliability of connectivity. Closed communities. Yeah. Uh, do you come from a, a small community? I've lived in small community. Yeah, right. Anyone else lived and worked in remote? Yep. Okay. Regional? Okay. So would, would you know, does, do most people feel comfortable with some of the issues for regional and remote or not? And Aboriginal? What about that? Yep. Terrific. And health sector or education sector? Community services, good. Other areas? What area are you? Okay. Roads. Okay. So heavy machinery and that kind of stuff. A bit. Okay. Excellent. What kind of education? Which level? Adult. Okay. Yeah. Which? Where? Who do you work with? What kind of clients? Okay. Foundation skills. Exactly, okay, yeah, and I think that that probably is fundamental to whatever remote you're talking about, but that's very broad, isn't it? It's much broader than what, so no face-to-face so no -face contact. I'm sorry, I just put that up, tongue-in-cheek, handheld. Handheld. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, you know, switch off, and that's a big issue when you're in an online session room. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So that wider, uh, you mean attracting, engaging them uh, in the discussion? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, and, and, and that's one of the interesting issues about having remote online, of having online stuff because actually you attract them but not physically. And, and it, there's a lot of people, as we can see here, that have worked in remote and regional areas that go back to the city they've got actually all this knowledge and we're not always tapping into that and I'm very conscious of that having lived in Alice Springs where there's such a huge flow through and the people that actually go out and work often in those communities aren't the ones you know they, they're pretty green 
you know, I mean, I guess they come back after a year or two and they're not so green, but beautiful. Okay, so Indigenous. Now, what was I was wanting to ask? Um, barriers for accessing learning. So I think we're at distance, we've got, you know, a whole range. You've got disability in there with remote. So if we unpack some of that stuff about isolation, what kind of groups fall into that? What sort of people are often, you know, isolated? Who in the community? Whatever. Yeah, let's make another. Disengaged, isolated, who are they? Let's just, unemployed, young people. Disabilities, yeah. Lack of transport, lack of license. Okay, lack of transport, mobility, lack of mobility. Literacy and numeracy and ESL and confidence. I mean, that when you, someone just said social, so that, you know, there's quite a lot of people that fall into that mental health, some of those mental health areas that find probably coming into a, you know, any sort of organisation quite daunting. Post-trauma stuff, yeah. Substance abuse stuff. So there's a lot of people in the community that find themselves, you know, it's not just a small mob and, and, and this really is a challenge to us, I think, to try and start using some of these tools to really give participation and access opportunities. I mean, that's been a lot of my driving stuff um, since I've been working, probably since 2000, and new Aboriginal people out in communities and just going, hold on, these people aren't getting any education, there's not, it's just, and then I was a teacher in it and thought, boy, that's a bad deal, you know, you get employed by um, bachelor or whatever and you go out to a community as a tutor and if no one's there, you don't get paid. I'm like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> so there's a whole lot of issues professionally and for the participants and all round, like you said, it's got to be that whole um, organisation and whole... Um, approach. Okay, let's look at some of those um, barriers then. I think we've probably covered whether we've got any more to cover. But let's look specifically at ab Aboriginal people just for a minute. What are some of the barriers for them participating in learning or accessing services if we're talking health as well? We talked about literacy. There aren't the services to access. No. Right. Okay, so um, how would you call that? In intermittent um, services? Issues of trust. Issues of trust, yes. Yeah, these are, these are, yeah. Differences in learning styles, trust, relevancy. That's right. So, pa pa like, a, can we use pathway? I know. Did you run out of pen there? Oh, you're right. You've got some others there. Yeah. So that, so that notion of relevancy. Um, did we put down cultural? And is that different? Do people see that as different for Aboriginal people in different situations? Uh, can someone speak to the more the remote, and someone speak to the to the more t um, town based? Interestingly, uh, we've got, I've driven a project uh, for urban uh -huh. uh, Indigenous youth at risk. You probably should have a microphone actually. Oh, no, no, sorry. 
No, no, it's just so that it can pick up for the podcast. No, it doesn't. Do you have to just push it or is it on already? Okay. Sorry. Yeah, just so it picks up for the podcast. Um, I've driven a project, uh, an e-learning based project for Indigenous youth at risk. It will talk to a lot of these issues, suicide prevention, um, drug and alcohol abuse, and I'm, I'm hearing the same issues. And it's not necessarily uh, city-based, urban-based, no. Indigenous problems only. And so, oh, not at all. These, the, that, those, that group experience exactly these same issues. They leave school. There's no relevancy in their uh, training that they're doing there. They're unlikely to get jobs, or they believe they're unlikely to get jobs. The services are. Um, also difficult to access, despite what we mm. what we would expect. Mm. Uh, the the problems are very similar. Yep, for all those different groups that we've identified. Yeah. Well, that's what I that's that is my thought as well. And so I think you know there's a lot that you can actually learn from one working with one group, Absolutely. and then it can tra you know that learning can transfer um, over to other groups. Uh, so remote. Someone want to speak to that, remote or regional? Catherine, you're getting your money. We're getting your money's worth from you. Yes. is that rural and remote locations don't necessarily want to work always in identified positions. So again, it goes back to your relevancy around training and access to be able to move into uh, roles beyond um, the agency, beyond identified positions, mm. uh, to become part of uh, a broader career development and a broader career path as well. Yep. Which probably has its base in, culture, in culturalism that, that it is part of a model and an extended family as opposed to and fulfilling various roles as opposed to just a um, childcare worker or just something else. It's never just one thing, is it? When you're working with, you know, with Aboriginal people, and I think that that is one of the big differences um, with the Aboriginal community and non-Aboriginal community is that you have that, you know, that deeper connection with family slash community, which has an impact on, you know, their Facebook profile, um, you know, their income, all those, all those kinds of things that really aren't quite such an issue. That, that in my understanding and my experience with uh, non-Aboriginal people. So I guess there are those differences. Thanks for that. Yes. Uh, time and time again, of, and eventually we get to a point that no one even understands the value of a written word. Yeah. So, so you get back to what but, but John was. Sorry. Sorry. That's their cultural is an oral culture, is mm. it not? So our value of the written word is somewhat different to what their value is. They're some of the, they're the challenges. But I, I think that that's fair, whether it be in their traditional knowledge, in traditional knowledge, in family knowledge, in current contemporary um, knowledge, I think that there's still, you know, the value of it, there's a real crisis in terms of re-engaging people and that comes into that third 
um, that we were trying to look for before, you know, the motivation and the, the experience that people have. You know, a lot of people have had very poor experience and that needs to be blasted out of the water because really it can be, it can be lots of fun. What I'm going to do now is launch, I'll, I'll cover um, our story um, a little bit. Face-to-face -face, um, delivery, this is what it used to, this is what it looks looked like and it's less and less looking like this in the lands um, where you've got the visiting lecturer comes, you've got people sitting there inside, you know, feeling uncomfortable for hours, you know, going out to have a smoke, whatever. People come once every six weeks maybe to visit. If you're lucky and you come and you've got that many students, you'd be absolutely delighted. I know I work with this fella, he teaches the Diploma of Interpreting and I uh, support that all online now. Um, and we have a, an Aboriginal co-worker as well, language speaker and teacher. Um, but he would sometimes go and the trip might cost $15,000 and it, he might, you know, hook up with one or two students. So, you know, that's what the situation looked like. Also, because you're only coming every six weeks, people lose interest, they're often not there because they've had to go to town for appointments, they forget that that's the week you're coming, you change because there's, you know, the roads are flooded, you know, all the kinds of issues that can happen. So are people, have anyone, has anyone worked in that situation where you're doing that visiting lecturer kind of thing? Okay, yeah. Oh, it's a huge challenge. Yeah, and it's been a huge challenge. And I'm, I've been horrified because I was in um, Alice Springs from 2000 and working at the various um, adult ed places there and going, what are they doing? Like they send a lecturer out or they bring everyone in. They fly students in and they're there for, I've only got five minutes left, you're joking. Oh, okay, that's okay. So you've got people coming coming in and it's just that that kind of thing is just not not working of course um, the lecturers are getting frustrated and the students are pretty pretty unmotivated um, the costs have been incredible we what we did initially is we started with some just simple text-to-speech tools that we put on the the computers and I'm gonna rush through this but if you want to pick up with me on anything we also Okay, oh yeah. Uh, we, we also developed in a, one of the early projects a virtual library because I was really stunned by the fact that out in communities there's no library and, you know, in communities in towns, the library can be the hub of people's self-learning. Um, so this just, um, we actually went through and pulled out the eyes of the toolboxes, a lot of literacy stuff but, you know, areas that were relevant and had a really lovely interactive um, face to it, much like a library, um, and so there's pages and pages and you just click on that and it takes you to a little very simple description of what the, uh, of what the, um, the resource is, the learning object is, and then takes you to it. Um, so that was just all from the tool, toolboxes and you could put it just on the computer without even the internet because often the power's down out in communities. So that's something, again, that we did as part of the framework um, and I worked on that project. Yeah. Are they things like YouTube clips or are they... 
they're all toolbox tasters. They're all toolbox learning objects. So they're from any of the toolbox, the childcare from the framework, childcare um, They are, they're all existing resources. And, and other sort of software that I found that I thought was relevant. Okay. So the, the really wonderful thing about the LANs is that it is ADSL. So there's ADSL across the LANs. People don't have computers at home, but TAFE in each community has it. Um, the school has very limited access. So that's been a really um, good thing. In the top end, there's the mobile, the whole mobile network, not in the lands. In the lands, only Unabella. But people have phones across the lands and they're Bluetoothing images, they're Bluetoothing video clips, they're you know, doing that. So Aboriginal people are fantastic at accessing online. If you don't take anything else away, take that because they're up for anything that you can throw. They love risk taking and that, and that is something that, now that's going to be different than other people in remote areas, but that is a fantastic thing. Um, about Aboriginal people. This is the online session room that we use. We use Centra or Illuminate, um, either one. Um, have, who, can you just show your hand if you've worked or been in an online session room like Centra or Illuminate? So people are pretty familiar with that. It's fantastic for, um, because it brings, obviously it's bringing people from all various communities in. Uh, the lecturer, one of the lecturers in Armadale, another one's um, in, in, I'm in Adelaide and another one's in another part of Adelaide. It's very interactive. So you've got, instead of this, where only one person can talk at once, it's very linear. Um, here, people can talk, they can have a, a webcam, they can just use the little icons and often for Aboriginal people that's fantastic because they're a bit shy when they first start. So, but they can still participate and be part of the whole engagement and interaction. Um, there's a little text box so if people um, feel confident with writing and if they don't, it's another one of those lovely things that John was talking about. You engage people and encourage them to deepen their, their literacy skills. And because I'm a literacy background person, I'm always looking I keep it very visual and very audio, but very conscious of trying to um, keep it. So all these people, this was in the, there was four fellows here um, who normally, if you were in a face-to-face -face situation, they'd be so uncomfortable, but they were quite cool because they're on an end of microphone. You know, we did meet them last trip we went up and that was terrific, but that was became a bit irrelevant. Our trips out bush now are much more about hooking up with the supporting agencies and meeting people than actually doing delivery. The delivery works best online. How do you go um, building the skills to be able to use Illuminate, Illuminate in the first place? I just do it. They come in, I say, okay, we do a click that, let's play with that, do a drawing, bring in that. People have learned very, very quickly and you just, depending how confident they are and how shy they are about about using technology, you just talk them through it and support them. It's usually good if you've got some one person where they are. So we've got um, our bush, we've got the TAFE lecturers and they all have uh, one Aboriginal helper in the lands. That was part of the strategy when we started doing e-learning because it was really clear that you need to have Aboriginal people involved in that. And so they can support, but you need to have someone that can initially just put them on and make sure that, you know, they've got a headset that works and that kind of thing. Yes, I, yeah. Georgiana, just on that point, um, yes. so you have the helper, so you're paying, yes. paying the helper 
in, in the particular community. And the other thing, in terms of getting the class numbers online, were you having to text people? Like, how did you actually get the group together? Or you can't text people because there's no phones. No phones, so. Only at Ernabella. Um, you work through the TAFE teachers, so that's why it's been quite key to have at least one person. Now, if you're in the health system or if you're a TAFE or someone, you know. Now, if you're in a situation where people are using mobiles, we use Facebook, mm. for instance. Facebook's fine because it's on the internet, and even though people don't have them at home, uh, computers at home, they can go to a place in the community now and they can get on, and so they get messages that way. So, um, so we and and the sound like backtrack sound like you're using synchronous synchronous delivery. From yes, yes, synchronous. Yeah. But also here, this is our Moodle page, so we do use Moodle as well. Yeah. Um, and again, you can see it's very visual. You can make things very visual. I really, from a background of working with people that just text means nothing to them, and you try and learn languages yourself, and you look at it and you go, mm, right, could be anything. You know, you're just constantly trying to look at ways that people can have access to whatever training or resource or service, whether you use little Jing videos to show people how to and tell them. That's what you need to be doing. But at the same time, encouraging them to engage more in the print world but you have to have both. The Diploma of Interpreting, we say people do not have to have any English written literacy. And you can see by that page, they can. You know, they click on this to get to material. When they get into the material, you know, you're gonna click on here, you're gonna get to a video, you click on this. It's a cute, who uses Moodle? Just can you show your hand? Okay, there's a cute tool that your IT people will hate me for telling you, but Nanogong runs with it and you can add really lovely audio that looks like that. You just click on the button and it talks to you and you can have it as part of the forum so people can be part of um, discussions on things. They don't have to write in the forum, they can speak it. They can use language. Nanogong. It's a great little tool. Nanogong and it, it, you, if you've tried to add audio into Moodle, it's as clunky as everything. You get it up and you have to go open or save. Just ugly. Nanogong looks like that. It's wonderful. And you can see here we've got it in English, we've got it in Pinjara, Yankunjara. So we've just had, you know, just make it accessible. There's no reason we can't do these things. Okay, so just some of the issues, I guess the opportunities where we changed, and we've really touched on a lot of these things as we've been talking. The regularity. When you're online then, so you start doing these online sessions weekly, sometimes bi-weekly, depending when people are available around their work or when they come into TAFE. Some people work, some people don't. We might have, you know, this week that person can come twice. So we can do that. We just have to find a, a place on the calendar where we can all still go. There's a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff happening because if you go out for a week, well, you've got that five days, but actually if you divvy that up, that's quite a lot of one-on-one -on -one sessions. Two hour long, we usually stop for a cuppa in the middle. So that regularity means people are getting new material all the time. And so they're motivated and they actually can see progress in what they know. A lot more work for the um, community lecturers, but at least they've got a focus. Before they had this booklet, like a distance booklet that people were left with for six weeks and they did or didn't do it. So, it, and people are attending, you know, how often you've got that issue of attendance. 
but because it's motivating and they know you're always going to be there, then there is, you know, better attendance. It's still far, you know, it's not brilliant. But, but that flexibility is lovely, you know. You can reschedule sessions and, um, you know, someone will ring up, oh, look, we're really busy at school today. Can we go, can we make a session tomorrow? So, you know, there's a, a wonderful flexibility that you don't have when you're in a face-to-face -face situation. You're very, very bound. Uh, the gender thing's an interesting one. When we first started doing face-to-face, -face, you have lots of those issues about, with Aboriginal people, not feeling comfortable. Um, in other settings, I guess, with non-Aboriginal people, you still have issues about people feeling awkward about their skill level or, you know, speaking up. And there's just something about being online that's a bit anonymous. Um, you know, we do use the webcam, not very much. I'm not, a thr I'm not thrilled about video conferencing. I think it doesn't encourage people to really look at different kinds of pedagogy, whereas I think online it can really invigorate your, your practice a lot. And you can start, you know, whether it's in the, you know, the health sector we were doing last year, we were in online session rooms and using um, point of view cameras, magnifying cameras, to, to show people's skin lesions and things like that, looking at ways of actually using um, technology to, rather than having that person have to be flying in by flying doctors to Alice Springs, you know, to really perhaps do field diagnosis and things like that, not to mention training. So there's service areas this year, uh, we've just won a project, one of the participation projects, and that's to support um, a job network group. That does the same thing, they go out every four to six weeks, they're trying to see 100 people in one day in a community. Good luck, you know, there's no one being supported anywhere. Uh, and so we're looking at how online can support. And when I say online, I do generally mean in that synchronous way, but you can use Moodle um, as well. So this touches on learning styles. As I said, in that online session room, people can draw and doodle and add things on the whiteboard. They can talk, they can use um, symbols. You can have lots of lovely visits to um, websites. Um, you know, it's really your imagination in an online session room, but you've got that at your fingertips, perhaps a bit more so than even here. Like if I was doing this session online, it would be easier in a way, even though I've got the things loaded on the computer, it would be easy for me to just go and visit websites and stuff. We do continuous intake. Now, sometimes people do that face to face, but it's easier, it's pretty easy to do that online and you've got people working at different levels. You can have breakout rooms quite easily and have people working on different things. Has anyone used that breakout room facility in Illuminate or Centra or the likes? Yeah. Have you, how have you used Adobe that one? Connect. Oh, Adobe Connect, yes, that's right. You it's have that Taking here. people out into different groups to um to work on activities and bring brainstorming and bringing them back together. Yeah. To discuss what they've found. Yeah. So equally, you could do that if you're working at different on different topics for people. Um, in the interpreting, for instance, we have legal and we have um, medical contexts and school uh, government contexts. So you could have people working on different things uh, conceivably. Um, the same here too with specialists online. Sometimes you might get a speaker in for a face-to-face -face group. Well, in an online session, you can have that speaker, you can record it, and then you've got that for other people to, to listen to or for you to use as part of your uh, resource material. And you're not going to ever get, 
you know, out bush. You're not going to get that. We had a magistrate come on online and talk about, I mean, that that is not a person that you would ever get in a session out, out bush. So there's, there's a lot of capacity to access um, various kinds of people. Um, this is just talking really about the need for, I guess, having some person or organisation that can support the whole process. And we found where the employer releases people and supports people, or where there's a TAFE, um, if the TAFE person is not into it, you just, it's really hard to, to shift that. Uh, I'm sure you've all had that issue. Um, access, people are getting home computers, but they still maybe aren't on, but ADSL is there. But again, wherever you work, find out what kind of infrastructure there is. If, you know, in the top end, I worked a lot with communities that haven't got internet, aren't likely to get it, but they've got mobile technology and they're using it like crazy. Um, so, you know, satellite or places that you can access, talk to libraries and find out, you know, whether they'll support that kind of stuff. So you can, just work where there's opportunities, I think. Um, staff accommodation was a, a, a big issue, and of course that's not such an, an issue, in the lands that is, um, and in remote places, there's often not places to stay. And cost, of course, you know, people want to focus on that, but it is hugely less expensive. And in our programs, we are now using those, using the money saved there to employ Aboriginal people as special mentors and things like that. So again, you'd be wanting to be fairly vocal about, okay, hold on, we're saving money by not doing this. You still need to have the trips, but they've got a different focus. They're supporting and encouraging the people um, in the communities and the networks in the community to keep that all healthy because without that, you're not gonna have it. And of course, staff and student motivation um, I was going to, uh, how are we going? Are we done? Are they? Everyone's behind, so it's really 11, we've got maybe five. Oh, good. So okay. Okay. No Excellent. Okay. Um, well, just on those issues, I was just going to go on and, and, and just cover a few of the other initiatives that we've used out there, which have been fairly um, transformative. Were there any, um, hold on, I'll just go on. Oh, sorry. Just of those issues, was there, did anyone want to um, ask anything or bring anything up from their own experience? I guess my question, my question is, if you had no on the ground face-to-face -face support, maybe you had a library or something like that, I'm taking that on board, is it, is it worth embarking on the project? I totally think it is. I totally think it is. When I, I mean, as, as many years ago as like 2003, we had some people up in um, Tennant Creek and we just hunted around, for, and especially if the person involved, you've had a chance to talk to them on the phone, that there, are, there will be people in communities that will support that. And it's again, a bit what John was saying, you have to search out and find out where the, where the nurturing soil is. But I, I, and whether it's the person that has to do that, the participant, and sometimes that's a good thing, or whether you do it behind the scenes, contact the council, the people that you think should be taking some responsibility in that community, or could. You know, so the libraries are great, and I generally, like at Coober Pedy and Port Augusta, go to the library, and honestly, that 
librarians are fantastic um, facilitators of learning. And so I guess if you're in a regional area, you're in luck. In remote areas, it's more difficult. Media organisations often are taking the responsibility for that in the remote communities that I work in. You've got BRACs, that whole huge BRACs broadcasting, radio broadcasting network, which is across. Yep, cool. Um, so there are networks of, of um, places that you can tap into to get support. As you um, deal with um, when communities are very against education and um, often the, when the people are seeking out advice, how do you support them with handling that, if you understand where I'm coming from? Well, I, to, in my mind, one of the first things that we did, and, and whatever remote community you're in, you're, you're handling that, but Aboriginal people do love media. So in if you're talking Aboriginal people, now that's not necessarily non-Aboriginal people, but I think anyone in remote areas appreciates what getting connected, whether it be by phone, whatever, brings with it. And so you have to show why they should be in it. And then if you've got, uh, we call that helper, that um, learning assistant or, you know, a malpa, which is a friend. And once we've had those, I can hear them online. I'm like, oh, who's there? Oh, I've got my cousin, my mum. You know, as you can imagine, there's this whole raft of people standing behind them watching what's possible. So it's, it, if what you're selling is good, it's, you know, it needs to be shown to people and it's got to be, again, relevant. If it's relevant and answers their issues for them about service provision and service delivery, because that's a huge one. People have to do online banking. How do they do that when they can't even get online? I would say to start with, as you're saying, start with adults, start with the parents, start with the people who are then giving the message down to their children that education's okay, training's okay, learning's okay. And kids are accessing a lot more education. In the lands, they come down to Adelaide or in other parts of the centre, they go up to the top. They're coming back to communities and they're much more educated than they perhaps have been in the last 20 years. Um, and so that drives it a bit as well. Can I just say, I just th think it's really interesting to, be really in to find out what's behind that being against education. Is it because the wrong, there's, no, there's no one mentoring it from within the community or did, it, did the wrong channel get a pro I don't, it's hard. Yes, it's really I, yeah. interesting. And there is a thing with mentoring, isn't there? I mean, there needs to be those people that have gone before. It, it, it's not the universal. I mean. Often, often in communities there'll be some really strong, I mean I've, I've been to numerous communities where the elders are, it's young people often don't pick it up, so it's often the young people uh, in the community don't do it and the elders will be saying this is your only way out, education yes. is your only way out, you've got to embrace it. But what, one, 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 one issue that we have found is often there's educational supplements and often the, especially the younger people in the community will get the supplements but they don't come to the training. So. I'm kind of interested in this idea of trying to get somebody in the community, maybe on a commission basis, mm -hmm. to say, we're going to pay you, but your commission yep. basis is to get them bums on seats. And there's some in, lovely in, little in, schemes yeah. that I've heard about along the way where people are paid 20 bucks for showing someone how to, you know, log onto the computer and da da da, you know, and I think you have to use those kinds of creative ways. Uh, so thanks very much. Anyway, there, there's a lot of other things. We've done work in Second Life in Virtual World out bush and we've also done a lot of point of view stuff which has been um, terrific. So um, if you want to talk to me about...
any of those things or other things, it'd be great. Yeah. And I'm on the internet. Okay, no problem. Hey, thank you very much for your support. Ongoing communication, I think. You've yeah, well, please, Georgina New at gmail.com, please just contact me and I'm really happy to show you online and to support some of those things because it's great to start giving access to people who otherwise um, staff and whatever have thrown their hands up.